1: Hosea 6. I want to touch on a verse just real briefly here as we get back into our series tonight about God speaking through Jesus saying clearly through Jesus my sheep hear my voice. And we've already talked about this multiple times as to the phrase referring to my sheep there. The word sheep means those under the care Of the Savior. They're actually under his care. They're letting him lead them, guide them. He goes on to say, and this is in, uh, of course, John uh, chapter 10, verse 17. He goes on to say there, in relationship to that very verse, he goes on to tell us very clearly, actually, uh, verse 27, I believe, 1027. He goes on to say in that verse that those who follow him, he says he knows them. He knows them. That means he has intimate relationship with them. And he said they follow him. So you and I have the privilege of being able to walk that out as a child of God. Aren't you glad? And so we have the ability to hear His voice. Say, I have the ability to hear His voice. Now, God has no problem speaking to us. God has no pro- the The problem in us walking in light of what God has for us ain't on the sending end. It's on the receiving end. God wants to get in touch with us. God wants us to hear from him. But I want to go back to Hosea 6 for just a minute to remind you the motive of everything we do in our relationship with God. I should not want to hear God's voice just so that I can think that that I could walk in a type of success for my life. You will be successful without a doubt. But the heart of the motive behind what we do as a believer is critical. I felt this was significant to remind you about this. In the book of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, go learn what this means. And he refers to Hosea 6.6. 6. You come here to Hosea 6.6, 6, so obviously if Jesus said, go learn what this means, I mean, think we ought to learn what it means? So he quoted Hosea 6.6, 6. so you come over here to Hosea 6.6, 6, and God through the prophet Hosea said, I desire. Don't you think we ought to know what, what uh, relating to what God desires, what that desire is? I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Amen. Now, if you think about this in relationship to the Old Testament, why did they have to provide different types of burnt offerings, sacrificial offerings? It was because of sin. God had no choice under the Old Testament in trying to help them to be in a position for him to walk with them and, and to be able to help them. He had to have them op- offer up these different types of sacrifices. Thank you, Jesus, that he has fulfilled the Old Testament. And he has accomplished what was needed by those sacrifices that were originally in the Old Testament. He fulfilled in a sacrificial act of himself. So understand this verse. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So I've taught you this before. But the word mercy there, if you look it up, actually is a little blind to us in the English saying mercy. He desires our loyalty, our steadfast and devoted love. He does not desire us doing things as a sacrifice. So to be able to develop the ability to follow the voice of God is not us sacrificing anything. You listening? When we, when we do anything as it relates to God as a type of sacrifice, you think of people today that don't come to church. You know why? Because to them it's a sacrifice. Right. To them it would be a sacrifice of their time, a sacrifice of having to deal with, uh, excuse me, not being able to do other things they might want to do. Well, I've got to sacrifice that to go to church And they don't want to do that. So a lot of people, even in relationship to giving, they won't give as directed by God. Why? Because they don't want to give up the things that they want to honor God and do what God asked them to do. Little did they know that if they would have made that the priority out of love, God would take care of all those other things. So it's not like God's trying to take stuff away from you. God's trying to help you. This verse is all—it's an absolute critical verse for all of what we do as a New Testament believer. And that's why Jesus said, go learn what this means. Because God is saying to me and you, if we don't have a steadfast love for God... And what we're doing, then what we start walking out in Christianity, we start looking as a sacrifice. Well, i got to give this up. Well, i got to give that up. Well, God doesn't want me to do that anymore. God doesn't want me to do this anymore. Uh, you know, think about it in relationship to somebody you really love or care in the natural. If you really love somebody and care about them, you like spending time with them. And therefore, you will give up doing other things just to get to be with them. And to you, that's not a sacrifice. That's a joy because I get to spend time with them. Now, this just relates back to what, you know, the whole context of why God created man. Why did God create us? He wants our fellowship. Why does he want your fellowship? I'm going to tell you why he wants your fellowship. Because he's love and his, in relationship to the aspect of him as love cannot be experienced by somebody who does not willingly want to love him first. Just like in the natural. If you had somebody that loved you, but you didn't love them, you'll never experience that love they have for you. Well, God is love. He wants us to experience him. He wants us to experience his presence, his love for us every day. But that can't happen without our devoted love to him. What's well, what I call the James 4 law. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. So realize that as a believer, I got to make sure I'm dealing with myself all the time to know my motive behind what we're doing is always about what? My steadfast love for God. What if I'm not doing it for that reason? Deal with your heart. Deal with your life. Deal with your thoughts. Deal with your focus in life. Because I guarantee you, I promise you this, there's nobody that you can honestly experience more in the way of love from than God himself. Because he is love. And I will guarantee you, God doesn't desire, quote-unquote, for us to live a life like it's a sacrifice. Well, okay, I'll go to church. All right, I'll give up my evening. I'll give up this. I'll give up that. See, that's a sacrificial attitude. Just like they, well, I got to give up this cow for a sacrifice to God because God demands this sacrifice. Well, he didn't demand it. He said, if you want to have a relationship with me, it's the only way. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no covering in the Old Testament of sin. Therefore, I can't fellowship with you because I can't fellowship with sin. So the reality was, I'm just trying to provide a way for you to get close with me. And that's what it was all about. That's why he goes on to say in the last part of the verse... And he desires what? The knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Again, horrible in my view, horrible translation in the English. If you look it up in the Hebrew, he says, the reason I want your steadfast love and not a sacrificial attitude is because I want you to know me. That's the phrase for the knowledge of God. Knowledge of God means I want you to know me. I want you to ever forget that about this verse because you can go look it up yourself and it'll actually tell you that. One translation does a pretty good job. I believe it's actually the complete Jewish Bible translation. I can't remember for sure. But one translation actually says it. I want your devotion and loyalty, not your sacrificial attitude, so that you can know me. So that you can know me. God wants you to know him. It wasn't about the sacrifices, folks. It was about knowing God. Can I get a better amen? So that you would know me more than burnt offerings. So that your burnt offerings aren't what is the important part. I am. I Because you're in love with me. So no different than if you, again, if you wanted to have a relationship with somebody on this earth, intimate relationship, and you were in love with them, well, guess what? They would have to want to love you back to experience that love. Same with God. God wants to love on us. There's nothing better to experience in your life daily than the love of God the actual knowledge of His manifest presence, which is love itself. But you can't do that if the motivation isn't love on your part. If your purpose of doing what you do isn't because you love Him, you're going to miss out on some of that. So we need to make sure our motive is right. Amen? Now go to John 16. John 16. I think it's just important to remember that as we're touching on so many verses that are clear in the Bible, that if we don't walk out God's plan, we don't walk in a successful lifestyle, the purpose of wanting to walk out God's plan shouldn't be the motive, excuse me. The motive shouldn't be because I want to be successful. What should be the motive? I love him I love yes. and he loves me. That's right. If I love him and he loves me, the motive of why I want to walk out what God has for my life isn't success. I want you to get this clear. I didn't say that I don't want the result. You'll get the result. Right. But the motive, same motive. motive. The motive why I'm doing it is what? Because I love him. I've told you this many times. It'd be like, how many of you have children that have chores at home? Chores that they're assigned to do? How many have that? Nobody? Three of you? So if you have chores for your kids, you know, obviously you're helping them to understand uh, the reality of responsibility and helping and doing things without a doubt. But what if your child did it because they loved you? What if your child says, mom, dad, don't worry about the trash. I want to get it because I love you. You ever heard that from any of your kids? How would that make you feel? I said, how would that make you feel? As a parent, to have your child say, "Don't, no, 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 mom. No, don't clean the sink. I'll clean it. Why? Because I love you. I love you. I care about you. I want to help. I want to do my part. Thank you for all your amends about that. See, you, you got to realize that that would be such a blessing to you as a parent. Well, what about us to God? What's our motive for why we do what we do as it relates to God? Could I get a better amen? Amen. I guarantee you what, you kids listening, you'd find out your parents would bless you no problem if you started doing stuff out of love, the same as the Father will for us. They're going to say, man, I got to bless this kid because they love me. Praise the Lord. Uh, John 16. John 16. Are you there? So we began to talk about, as we've already revealed, again, as I mentioned already, about Jesus talking about clearly in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and talking about all the benefit of this and the significance of it relating to things in our life. How does God speak to us? How does Jesus speak to me and you, New Testament believers? Let me help you. The way that God is always going to speak to you is going to involve the Holy Spirit. Right. Amen. Always. He's not going to speak to you through circumstances. He's not going to speak to you through opportunities. Satan can control circumstances. Satan can control opportunities. Literally, the Bible says Satan comes as an angel of light. Think about that. Think about the opportunities Satan would present to you to deceive you, to mislead you, that you think it's good, that you think it would be an awesome thing to do. I remember a guy, shared it with you before, years ago in in, uh, Brother Hagin's church, he was going to leave uh, the place where he was at, leave the church because of a better job. And I mean, Brother Hagin said, have you prayed about that? you talked to God about that? Have you found out whether or not God wants you to do that? Well, Brother Hagin, come on, man. In the time they were living, come, just coming out of the you know, Great Depression, so things were tough. He said, this will help my family. This will bless my family. Are you sure about that? It will bless your family? So you just thinking natural. Right, right. Guess what you and I are supposed to be governed by? Spiritual. Spirit. Spiritual. Thank you for all your amens about that. Amen. So he said, you better pray about that. So he said, okay, I'll pray about it. He came back a couple weeks later and he said, you know what? The more I started praying, I did not even prayed about it. The more I started praying about that, the less peace I had. Guess what that's called? Leading of the Holy Spirit. The more I agitated, I got my spirit about it. The more my wife said, I don't know that this is right. I just don't know. I've been praying. I don't know if this is really what God wants us to do. You know what we've decided? We're going to stay here. We're going to stay right here with our shepherds, stay right here with the church, yes. right where God has us. And as they did, guess what happened? He wound up getting a promotion in his job. Amen. He wound up getting paid more than what he would have gotten paid had he taken the other job. And in that church, he learned from Brother Hagin how to walk by faith. He learned from that uh, pastor, Brother Hagin, how to be able to get his babies healed, how to walk in the, you know, the promises of God. He said, what if you leave and go off and get away from all this? And all of a sudden, you don't have a place to continue to be taught the word. It's not once I've been taught, I got it. No, you're supposed to continue in the things you've heard. So John 16:13 gives us insight to the fact clearly in the New Testament that it is the Holy Spirit. Say the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to always be the very uh, one that God's going to use through whatever avenue to lead us, to guide us. This is why we need to understand this. Verse six, uh, chapter uh, 16, verse 13. Jesus said, however, talking about when he would leave himself, Jesus, when he, the spirit of truth, say the spirit of truth. Spirit. When the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Amen. Now, the Greek actually says he'll guide you in truth. He'll guide you in truth. Now, in two might sound similar. I just think it's more powerful that way to hear it that way. He doesn't just guide you into truth. He guides you in truth. In truth. And that's God's way for you. It's what God has for you. So he's never going to guide you in what? He's never going to guide you in what's false. He's never going to guide you in what's wrong. Right? He's going to guide you in, in, in truth. Notice this. For he will not speak on his own authority. So he's the avenue by which the Father and Jesus will use To speak to you, to guide you, to lead you. He's not speaking on his own. Notice this. Whatever he hears, he's going to do what? He's going to speak. Well, what are you and I learning to do? Hear the voice of our shepherd. Well, guess what our shepherd's going to do to speak to you? Jesus isn't going to speak to you directly. We could say sometimes, well, I think the Lord spoke to me directly. Honestly, he didn't. He used the Holy Spirit. He's in heaven. The Holy Spirit's everywhere present. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Jesus and the Father will communicate to the Holy Spirit who's everywhere present what He wants to say to you. So we've got to understand my direct connection, however you want to say it, my hotline, my way to hear from God is the Holy Spirit. And this is how God will guide us and lead us. So through the Holy Spirit who leads us in truth, He does so by two ways. I've told you this already many times, the Word and the witness an inward witness, through the word of God and through an inward witness. Now, even when he speaks to you through the word of God, he's going to do so through your spirit by an inward witness. But in things relating to our life, of which the Bible's not black and white about, I didn't have a verse telling Kathy and me when we bought this home, go to this block, look at this number of this house, and this one's yours. I want you to get it. Now we didn't have that. We had to follow an inward witness in our heart. Now, the Bible's clear. You shouldn't clearly put yourself in a position that you can't be one who honors your word. When you sign a contract, you're giving your word to pay those, those, the mortgage payment, the bills, whatever. You're giving your word to provide the money of what you obviously committed to, to purchase or to buy. I'm not going to sign my name to something that's beyond what I know I'm capable of, pay, of paying for. That would be dishonoring the word of God. I'd be going beyond my word. Are you still here? Swear to your own hurt and change not. Let me throw a little nugget out here. Can I do that? Yeah. Let me throw a little faith nugget out here. I've said it before, I'll keep saying it. I've just heard it again for the umpteenth time from Brother Hagin. If you keep saying to people you're going to do things right. and you don't do them, right. you keep committing to things and you don't do them. James says you're deceiving your own heart. That's right. You're deceiving your own heart. Your heart hears what you say, your spirit man. We're talking about your spirit man now. Your spirit man hears what you say. Your spirit man is to take whatever you say. His job is to help you see that that comes to pass. Working with God and the Holy Spirit. But if you keep saying stuff that you don't do, and now all of a sudden you start wanting to confess the word and saying, I believe the word. I believe I'm healed. I believe I'm this. I believe I'm that. You know what your spirit says? Your spirit says, well, is that really true? Because you said these other things and you've not done any of those. Faith without works is... So you got to understand, you want to learn to not be giving your word all the time about stuff that you don't do. A lot of people think that's ridiculous, that's crazy. I can prove it to you through the Bible if I had time. Brother Hagin taught on it for years. I think he knew a little something about faith, praise God. And I think he learned how to walk by faith. And I think it worked for him. And the Lord taught him this. He said, if people don't understand, if they don't, if they don't watch what they commit to and say, you know, we're not talking about once in a while. We're talking about consistently. Right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You ever said something you didn't do? Sure, who hasn't? You ever committed to something you didn't fulfill? Yeah, who hasn't? But you know what you ought to do? You ought to go apologize. Say, I'm sorry I didn't do that. I'm going to try to do better next time. But you don't want to keep committing stuff that you don't do. Amen? So back to our helper. Say, I have a helper. This is why Jesus said here, Literally for this spirit of truth to come, he won't speak on his own. He's going to take what he heard and he's going to reveal it to you. So God is going to speak to you. The Father and the Son, Jesus, is going to guide you in some way or another by the use of the Holy Spirit. This is why we need to learn now from Scripture, New Testament, how does God lead us through this Holy Spirit. Believe it or not, he did so through the Old Testament with certain people that were in positions that he appointed and anointed for certain things, including prophets of the Old Testament called seers. Holy Spirit would relate things to them. But the Holy Spirit was not allowed to be given in access for everybody to be able to hear from. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit wasn't living in them, but he was there with them to help them understand what God wanted them to know. But you and I got to realize that what a blessing it is for us to know. Now, every believer has this Holy Spirit living in them. There is no reason why we cannot be led by God. Say, I have the helper. He'll lead me in truth. Well, if you walk in truth, what does truth do? It'll free you. It'll liberate you. It'll help you walk in all God has for you. Walking in truth doesn't put you in bondage. It liberates. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Well, what all does it liberate you from? How much time you got? It, It liberates you from lies and deceptions. See, in the sense like liberating, yeah, it would liberate you from bondage. If you got some kind of disease, sickness, bondage thing you can't seem to get free from, how many know God has the answer? How I many know if you listen to the Holy Spirit and you let Him lead you, He'll show you how to get free from that? How I many you know He's already paid the price? If you'll let Him show you how, come on, if you'll let Him lead you, He'll help you learn what to do. Can I get a better amen? But guess what else He'll free you from? Deception, lies. How about evil? How about Satan waiting out there to still kill and destroy? He'll liberate you from the plans of Satan, He'll liberate you from the snares and the traps that He's got set up for you. Come on, somebody! Amen. God's a liberator. Yes. I said, God's a liberator, Amen. and He liberates us from our enemy and even all the works of our enemy. So let me just throw this verse back in here, really quick. Ephesians two ten. I told you I'm not going to hurry through this series because I'm believing God. At the end of this series, this church is going to be hearing God clearer than they ever have, Amen. and they're going to be following that voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I said, Amen. Amen. Say, I hear His voice we got to start declaring that we do so because the Bible says we can. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his what? Now, the Holy Spirit just nudged me, so let me back up. So realize we're not saying that you start saying, I hear his voice, so whatever I hear must be God. No, no, but you need to start confessing I hear his voice because he says you can. You want to make sure as you start to learn or begin to get back into hearing God's voice that you're clearly hearing from God. And we'll explain how. So don't just start jumping on everything you hear thinking it's God because you're saying I hear God's voice. Can I get a better amen? Ephesians 2.10 again. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? What were you created for? Now good works here actually refers to the plan of God for your life. It refers to the plan of God for your life. Good works has to do with the plan God had already established that he had for you to live out. So God is saying here, every person born again, because if you go back to the top of, of the second chapter, it begins to talk about us, of course, being raised up with Christ, seated with Christ, that we've been made born, made alive, born again, children of God. And it's stating here in this verse, therefore we're his, we're his workmanship. We're now of him, created in Christ Jesus. For what again? Tell me. So this is, this is speaking to me and you. I have created for you a good plan. Already got it in place. Already. Now, don't. this is where a lot of people miss it. So, some people hear a message like this and they, they won't take time to get all of what we're going to teach. And they're going to just go out and live how they want and say, praise God, all I got to do is just keep living every day because I'm walking out good's plan. Not if you're not hearing his voice, you're not. He has a plan prepared. But that doesn't mean whatever you go choose to do is automatically God's plan. We've already seen that in detail over and over again from the book of Proverbs. Many plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's plan. That's the one that succeeds. Not, not, I have many plans, but I don't want to walk out mine. I need to get God's because it's God's plan that succeeds. So the good works is his plans he prepared for us, which God, again, as it states, prepared beforehand that we should do what? Walk in them. So good works here re- refers to God's plan. And literally plural plans, raising of your kids, job or business, as well as finances, as well as daily actions, lifestyle, where you go, what you do, where, who you listen to, who you're around, who you shouldn't be around. You can get around certain people and God says that's not a part of the plan for your life. And if you hear from the Holy Spirit, you'll know to draw away. You'll not know not to get near them, not to keep listening to them. You, you could go to buy something at some time. You might even have the money to buy it. And the Holy Spirit not you say, say, uh-uh. I love this story. There's so many stories I could tell you about me and about others. The story that Brother Hagin brings up about a guy that he knew about that actually was in one of his churches. He talked to him years later. He said, you know, Brother Hagin, I'm so glad you taught us how to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. Because you know what? Following the Holy Spirit's leading isn't just when you want to figure out what God's plan is for your life. It's every day. It's every day. Because guess who's sitting out there every day wanting to take advantage of you? The devil is. So oh, his, his family, his wife and kids went to go to dinner one night at a restaurant. They sat down at the restaurant. They had the menus. They're looking at the menus. The you know, server comes by. They get ready to order, and they order their food. And as soon as the server walks off, he turns to his wife and he said, I don't know why, but we got to get home. We got to get home right now. But we just ordered our food. I know. I'll pay for it, whatever, but we got to get home. I got to tell that server, I'm sorry, but we got to get home. He went and found that server. She said, well, I haven't turned it in yet, so you're okay. They took off. They immediately took off to go home. He said, as soon as they turned the corner to go down their street, guess what happened? An explosion at their house. The water heater blew up. It was a gas water heater. And they were able to immediately call the, the uh, uh, you know, fire department. They got a truck out there like in minutes and they were able to spare the house and save just a, a huge part of the home from being totally burned up and destroyed. Very little damage was done. What if they wouldn't have heard the Holy Spirit's voice? They'd have come home to a home that was gone. Their stuff had been burned up in the fire. Are you listening? God wants to lead you every day. Every day he wants you to follow that inward witness. Where if you were sitting down, at a restaurant about to eat, Kathy and I were a while back. We were at a restaurant a while back, you know. And as we sat down at a restaurant to eat a while back, I don't always go by just what you see of the, you know, kitchen area or whatever, you know. But as she went back there and came back from the restroom, I don't know if we should eat. it. I said, well, I kind of don't really feel like this is a good place for us to be either, so let's go. So you could have stayed and ate. What if you got food poisoning? Well, we prayed over the food. What if God was trying to direct you away from there? You listening? God wants to guide your steps in everything you do. He wants to liberate you. He wants to guide you in truth. What's good for your life. And he's already prepared it ahead of time. So, uh, Amplified. Now, if you don't know, and I understand there's a different Amplified Bible out today from what I've been told. I haven't read it. The classic Amplified really simply goes to the original Greek and Hebrew. And it tries to bring out the full meaning of what was actually said there in the original language. You gotta watch out for these paraphrases. These paraphrased Bibles. I'm gonna warn you again, real quick. Now, a little side note. A lot of people getting off into these paraphrased Bibles. Passion's a paraphrase, Mm -hmm, message is a paraphrase. What's a paraphrase? They're not going to the original language to try to figure out exactly what the original language said. The person that wrote that actual uh, uh, translation, passion or uh, message translation, you know what they're doing? They're telling you what they think it says. They're not telling you what a Greek, they're not a Greek scholar, Hebrew scholar. They're just paraphrasing what they think it says. They're giving you their opinion. You know what I don't need? I don't need your opinion. Can I get a better amen? And I'm telling you, there's a lot of Christians today love these paraphrases. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why. A lot of these paraphrases start removing verses that aren't really that very nice sounding little ouchy sounded. So they take that out because they think, well, God's just a God of great love. Well, he is love. Amen. But don't you parents love your kids? Raise your hand if you love your kids. Well, hey, anybody you, as parents love your kids, do you discipline your kids? Wonder why. Wonder why. Any kids here ever get disciplined? Let me see your hand if you ever get disciplined. Wonder why. I'm going to tell you why. Because they love you. Because they care about you. They don't want to see you hurt your life. Better amen than that. So Ephesians 2.10, back to our point. For we are God's, say I am, God's own handiwork. Say it, I am God's own handiwork. So it says in the Amplified, we're God's own handiwork. His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do. Born anew, that we may do. Born anew, that we may do what? Those good works which God predestined and planned beforehand, listen to this, for us, Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. Paths, plural. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. You ready? That we should walk in them. Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, if you're walking out the path that God prearranged for you to live, and the way you do that is you follow his voice, guess what? It's going to be a good life. It's going to be a blessed life. It's not gonna it's not gonna look exactly like you think it would, because again, that's your plan. It's gonna be better. God's ways are higher. God's ways are better. How many want God's plan? All right? Go to Jeremiah then. Go to Jeremiah seven. Now it does not mean because we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, we don't learn from the Old Testament. Sure we do. There's types and shadows as well as things written for our admonition of people here that were prophets, etc., that followed the leading of the Lord that we can clearly learn from, without a doubt. Jeremiah was, um, I, I, you know, I, I feel for Jeremiah. 40 years as a prophet, he was a prophet to the uh, to the, the children of Judah, the tribe of Judah, and they were a rebellious bunch. They would not listen to him. They would not do anything God told him to tell them. The whole time, man, I mean, they were just constantly rebelling against God, wouldn't do what God asked them to do. And here's Jeremiah for 40 years having to speak over and over and over again things that they did not want to hear. For everybody who thinks it's great to be a prophet, ask our pastor, because sometimes you got to say stuff people don't want to hear. If you think it's fun to be a pastor, ask your pastor. Because sometimes you got to say stuff people don't want to hear. But we should want to. Yeah. Jeremiah 7. So here in Jeremiah 7, God speaking here in relationship to the prophet Jeremiah, to the children of Judah said in verse 22, For I did not speak to your fathers. This is God speaking through Jeremiah the prophet to the tribe of Judah. I did not speak to your fathers. The children of Israel came through the wilderness and all that stuff or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt, offers, burnt offerings or sacrifices. Once again, that wasn't his focus. He wanted fellowship. I said he wanted fellowship. But this is what I commanded them, saying, do what? Obey my voice. Notice this. And I will be what? Your God. And you shall be what? My people. So what was the purpose again? What was the reason of why he was asking them to do what they did? So that I can be your God and you can be my people. We can have fellowship. We can be a family. Come on. I can be your father. You can be my children. I can help you. I can walk you through this life. Are you still here? So he's saying here in verse 22... A purpose of what I had for your fathers, though the generation before them here, was not about all these burnt offerings. That was so that I could have them to be my people and I could be their God. All they had to do was simply listen to my what? Voice. voice. All they had to do was obey my what? Voice. voice. If they would have obeyed my voice, guess how much better their life would have been? Yeah. The first generation wouldn't have missed out on the uh, pre-planned purpose of God for their life. They did. They didn't get to go into the promised land. You know why? They would not listen to his voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So we can learn from this because God was speaking to them. God was telling them a plan. He was telling what he had for them. But he's saying, that uh, uh, generation before you, your fathers before you, they wouldn't listen to me. They, they wouldn't do what I asked. It wasn't about the sacrifices. Right. It was about them having a relationship with me. So I could walk with them. They could walk with me. That's what it was all about. You listening? That's what he's telling them. Can you see that? So he said to them, again, I told them, obey my voice and I'll be your God and you shall be my people. Watch and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you that it may be what? Come on underline it that it may be what Amen. well with you so he's saying you've got two plans talking about relating back to what he told Israel your plan and mine right. you want Amen. things to go well with you walk in my plan Amen. walk in my plan remember what he said in Deuteronomy I set before you blessing and cursing right. life and death and he even told them what to choose right. choose life right. but you know what they choose you know what they, excuse me you know what they chose they chose death right. they chose cursing why? Because they simply didn't want to listen to God's voice and do what He said. Now, again, this—all He's telling them—the whole purpose of doing that was so that I could walk with them and things would go well with them. Doesn't that sound like Ephesians two ten? Doesn't that sound like a pre-plan, a pre-planned good plan for our life? Sounds like it to me. Doesn't, doesn't that sound like living the good life that He pre-arranged and made ready for them? Sounds that way to me. Verse 24, yet they did not obey, underline this please, or incline their ear. There's a key, there's a nugget. Why did they not obey? They didn't incline their ear. They really didn't want to hear what God had to say. They really didn't. Now I'll explain this in a minute. I'm going to come back to this verse. They did not obey or incline their ear, but they followed what? What did they follow? The counsels and the dictates of what? Their evil hearts. Why did he call them evil hearts? They weren't born again. What did they have? Fallen nature. What were their hearts? Evil. Why? They weren't born again. Is your heart evil? No. Your heart, you've been born again. Your spirit's been born again. Your spirit's not evil. If it was evil, Holy Spirit couldn't live in you. I'd like a better amen than that. He he was referring to them having evil hearts because they weren't born again. Don't take that as a mean statement. He's just saying the truth. Notice they did not obey or incline their ear, but they what did they do? What did they do? They followed the counsels, the counsels and the dictates of their own hearts, and they went backward, not forward. You walk out your plan, ladies and gentlemen, you are going backward. You are not going forward with God. You're not going up into the higher things of God. You're going you know what this is this is so important to understand as a New Testament believer. Because a New Testament believer, God has given us a new covenant with better promises. An even higher life to live. These people couldn't do what Jesus did. You can. They couldn't heal. They couldn't deliver. They couldn't cast out demons. You can. But when you choose to not walk out God's plan, you are walking backwards. You're like that late in the video, backing up, backing up, backing up. But that ain't good. I said, that ain't good. God don't want you backing up. What are you backing up into? The flesh. The flesh. When you're moving forward, what are you doing? You're going higher spiritually. You're you're becoming more spiritually dominated. But when you are not going forward in the relationship to following the voice of God, guess what you're going to wind up doing? Going backward. Tell your neighbor, I need to stop backing up. Verse 25. Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt till this day... I have even sent to you all my servants, the prophets. In other words, I've been speaking to you over and over and over again. I don't got no problem revealing stuff to you. I ain't got no problem speaking to you. I've been telling you over and over through all these different prophets. How much I love you, the plans I have for you. How many of you know in Jeremiah 29, he goes on to say, the plans I have for you are good, of a future and a hope. But guess what they didn't do in Jeremiah's day? They didn't walk in it. Do you know why? Because they wouldn't incline their ear to hear God. Does it mean they didn't know what God said? Oh, they knew. They knew. knew. Jeremiah told them. But they weren't inclining their ears. See, there's a difference between actually just hearing something that's said and inclining your ears I'm about to get to. So notice this. Since the day your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I've even sent to you all these prophets daily, rising up early and sending them. Yet they did not obey me. See, this phrase, obey me, isn't like, yeah, bless God, you better obey God, do what God tells you to do. No, God's saying, if you'll just do what I'm asking you to do, if you'll just follow my voice, if you'll just obey what I'm telling you to do, your life is going to be so much better. Yes. Are you still here? Yes. Things are going to be well with you, Into verse 23. I want, to, I want to see things go well with you. Yes. Oh, come on. I've known parents who loved their kids, who corrected their kids, who tried to help their kids to not go a wrong pathway, and yet because the child got old enough to get out on their own, they chose to go their own pathway. Now think about how painful that is in the natural for a parent here. How much more painful for God the Father who created us all. To watch us keep, think of all the many people. There was over a million people came out of Egypt. Think about that. Over a million people came out of Egypt. How do you think this? De- How do you think this sat with the Father's heart? Over a million people wouldn't walk into the Promised Land that He had for them—the land flowing with milk and honey. Two people right. out of a million. Wow. Actually, out of two million. Listening. Amen. But let, well over a million people. I'm just going to round it off at a million. Two people. Come on! Don't ever look at our church and say we're small. Two people. Come on two people out of over a million obeyed and got in the promised land how many want to walk in your promised land guess what you're going to have to learn to do incline your ear to what the Holy Spirit the one that's connected to you to reveal to you God's plan can I get a better amen and again every time you're making decisions in life based on what you want come on well I got a good plan so did brother Hagen he thought let me help you You can have in your mind, because again, you got your own plans. You could have in your mind what's a good plan, but I got a word for you. If it ain't a God plan, it ain't as good as you think it is. (laughs) Amen. Tell your neighbor, you might think, come on, tell somebody, you might think you got a good plan. But if it ain't a God plan, it ain't that good a plan. Are you listening? It's a God plan that stands. That's a good plan. Oh, I've had many plans, even in ministry, I thought was a good plan. And it wasn't a God plan, and it didn't stand. Anybody remember the two years I, t- I tried to do a youth, youth, uh, uh, youth event, right? And after the second one, I'm like, God, what's the deal? And you know what the Lord told me, which I could have just found out if I'd taken the time to pray before? I, I, my intent was right. I wanted to help youth. I wanted to help our youth and reach more youth. I really did. But you know what God told me? I didn't tell you to do that. Well, you would think God would bless it because you're reaching youth. No, ain't my plan. If it ain't my plan, I can't bless it. Even though you think it might be good. Are you still here? So notice this. In verse 26, he said, yet they did not obey me. Or again, what did he say? Underline it second time. Incline their ear. Now that's significant. Comes up again. Why did they not obey me? I'll tell you why they didn't obey him. Because they didn't incline their ear. They did not incline their ear. Did they know what he had said? Yes. But that's not inclining your ear. Notice, but notice, they they stiffened their neck. They were stiff-necked people, meaning what? Rebellious, they want to do their own thing. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore, you shall speak all these words to them, Jeremiah, but they will not obey you. Can you imagine that? I mean, I know that feeling to some degree because I know things God's told me about people that I've told them to try to help them. They won't do it. They won't receive it. They won't acknowledge it. They won't accept it. And what breaks my heart is I have to know, black and white, that what you're about to do is going to hurt your life by choosing not to honor what God's Word says and what God has shared with me to share with you about that. You're going to keep doing your own thing. I know things are not going to go well. And I've watched their lives self-destruct. I've watched things fall apart in their lives. I've watched their lives get worse, not better. I ain't seen one of these people get better. Never. It's always worse. And that ain't because of me, folks. It has nothing to do with your pastor. It has to do with this thing right here, what it says. And I'm just telling you what this says. The Bible, and if you're unwilling to do what this says, the Bible, it ain't about you. Well, listen to you. You're just a pastor. But what I'm saying is the Bible. You're not turning me off. You're turning God off. Well, guess what they did to Jeremiah? They weren't. They didn't. He said, they're not going to obey you, Jeremiah. Who were they not obeying? God. They're not listening to me. They won't do what I tell them i tell you what, it saddens me to know believers who think they're mature and you can't correct them for anything in the world. They get mad at you. They get upset with you. Well, I've been walking with God longer. I've been around longer. Who are you to tell me? Bye. Love you. See you later. See how that works for you. Wish you'd listen because God really wanted to help you. Amen. It ain't about me. It's about what God wanted to help you with. Right. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your amends about that. Amen. So again, he said clearly, verse 26, uh, 27, excuse me, uh, therefore, no, excuse me, verse 26, yet they did not obey me and climb their ear, they did worse than their fathers. 27, therefore, Jeremiah, you're going to speak all these words to them, but they, notice, will not obey you. You shall also call to them, but they will not what? Answer you. Who are they not obeying and answering? God. 28. So you shall say to them, this is a nation, a people, that does not obey what? Underline it, the voice Of the Lord their God. You want to walk in the pre-planned decisions God has for your life? You have to obey the voice. Not of your pastor. Not of another believer. You listening? Not of some pizza you ate last night. You got to obey the voice of the Lord your God. You have to learn how through the connector, the Holy Spirit, how to hear his voice. And then you got the choice of whether you do it or not. Are you listening? If you incline your ear, you'll do it. Therefore you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not obey you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer you. So, verse 28, you shall say to them, this is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord their God. Notice this, nor receive what? What's one of the ways you know you're hearing from God? Because you're going to get some correction in the midst of those instructions. It's not going to be all just lovey dovey. you, you're wonderful, you're doing great. And it's not like beat you over the head and you're nobody. No, God doesn't do that. No, God doesn't do that. I say, God doesn't do that. But because he loves you, he's going to say, listen, darling, you keep going down that pathway. Now, now son, if you keep making this, to, you keep saying that thing your pastor's told you. You've heard it in messages over and over and over again. You keep speaking that over your life. You keep declaring that over your life. Well, guess what? I can't help you. But you sure are giving it an easy road for the devil to take advantage of your life. You know, most people still don't get the fact that if you believe something in your heart and you keep speaking it, guess what? It's coming to pass. Now, one or two spirits are bringing that to pass—God or the devil—and it's all based on what you believe and say. And if you believe what the devil's telling you, if you believe contrary to what the word says, and you keep speaking it, my diabetes, my 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 uh, anxiety, my cancer, my—you keep saying that and you believe that. That's like the, I said it today on my blog. That's like the devil showing up, and say, "Hey, here's the package I got for you. This is yours. Oh yeah, that's mine." Yeah, I'll sign for that. You sign for the package. But you got to recognize the power of your words. What you say. Again, notice, he said, you say to them, this is a nation of people that will not obey the voice of the Lord their God, nor receive correction. Truth has, notice, oh, this is powerful. How sad. Truth has perished. (coughs) What? Truth has perished, has been cut off from their mouth. What is the Holy Spirit going to lead me, you into? In truth. Guess what you don't want cut off from your life? Truth. So let's go back real quick. You still with me? Are you you learning anything tonight? I want you to see this very carefully. If you go back here again to what he said in verse 23. This is what I commanded you, saying to them, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. Walk in all these ways, right? And guess what? If you do, things will be what? They will be well with you. 24, yet they did not obey, or what? What did they not do? They did not incline their ear. So I want you to write this down because he brings it back up again in verse 26. They would not incline their ear. For you and me to follow the voice of God, we have to understand, learn, and walk out what it means to incline our ear to God. What does that mean exactly? Because I guarantee you it's far more than just sitting in a service and hearing a message preached. They heard what God said. They heard the words of God through the prophet. If you would have asked them what God said, they could have told you. What did he say? So, inclining your ear can't mean just sitting and hearing it. Because they heard it. But yet, God said twice, they would not incline their ear. And therefore, they would not obey me. You still here? Praise God. I want you to turn with me quickly, if you would, to Revelation chapter 2. Man, you're good to preach to tonight. I'm already running out of time, and I've, already got, I've only got about hours of hour's worth of material left that I've got to cover yet. Revelation chapter 2. Don't worry. Revelation 2. Go to Revelation chapter 2. So we must learn to do what? Incline our ear. Incline our ear. Sunday night, we'll get back on this. Terry, of course, will be with us Sunday morning, Uh, Dr. Mize. So uh, we'll uh, we'll have uh, Brother Terry with us Sunday morning, but we'll get back on this Sunday night. You and I, this is a key phrase. We must learn to incline our ear to the Spirit of God. We must learn to incline our ear to what? The Spirit of God. Who's our connector? The Spirit of God. Yes. Holy Spirit. You want to say, or you can just say, I got to incline my ear to the Holy Spirit. He's your connector. That's what Jesus said. John 16, 13. He's the one. He's not going to say anything on his own. He's going to take what's been spoken to him. He's going to make it known to you. He's going to reveal it to you. How am I going to hear God's voice? Through the Holy Spirit. What if I'm not inclining my ear? You won't hear it. You won't hear it. You'll hear it, but you won't hear it. Alright, Revelation 2. I'm just going to show you one verse on this. How many of you know Revelation 2 and 3 is letters written to seven churches? John's on the Isle of Patmos. been banned there. They tried to bowl him on, kill him, couldn't kill him. So they banned him to this Islet of Patmos. On the Lord's Day, say Lord's Day. On the Lord's Day, Sunday. First day of the week, he is there worshiping God. There's the day they now worship and honor God on the day Jesus was raised from the dead. And the Lord starts speaking to him. And he gives him these seven letters to these seven churches. And he writes them down, as well as the rest of the book of Revelation. In all seven of these letters, in chapters 2 and 3, at the end of every letter to every church, the Lord Jesus himself makes this same statement every single time. Now, Jesus himself, we'll see on Sunday night, Jesus himself made this statement directly to people when he was preaching to them. What he said when he was preaching to them was, he who has an ear to hear let him hear. Now that was in relationship to what he was saying. He who has an ear to hear what I'm saying, let him hear. This phrase is very well understood in their culture because when somebody made a statement, do you have an ear to hear? What's that mean? Do you really want to listen to what I'm about to say? You ready? You ready? And do it. You just learned what it means to incline. See, if you really have a desire to hear what I'm about to say and do it, You're inclining your ear. What did the people in Jeremiah's day not do? Incline their ear. Did they hear what he said? Yeah. But guess what? They never had an intent of doing it. What were they going after? The plans and dictates of their own heart. They already had a plan. Didn't matter what God said. So even though God would say things, guess what? All that got discounted because they already had their own plan. I wonder how many of us already have plans about our life that we've never really talked to God about. That we've never found out, does God really want me to do this? Does God really want me to make this decision? Does he want me to go here? Does he want me to... See, how much of our life have we actually taken before God to say, God, is this your plan? Is this what you want me to do? It's a good plan. It's a really good plan, Lord. Yeah, but is it God's plan? Because the children of Israel thought they had a good plan. Didn't turn out so good for those folks. Are you still with me tonight? You get awful quiet when I start talking like this. That makes me nervous. Because if you don't want to do what God's plan is, and I will promise you, your plans aren't his. Guess what you're not going to do? Incline your ear. You'll not incline your ear. And the motive, again, has to be love. I love God. He loves me. He has his best intentions in mind for my life. Yeah, but I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to go here and I want to go there and I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want I to. Want. Uh, whoa, 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 back up. How many eyes do we have in there now? I, 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 I. I think I heard that somewhere in the Bible. Referred to somebody in Scripture who got booted out of heaven. His name was Satan. You listening? I'll be exalted. Meaning what? It'll be my plan. I'll be worshiped you listening that didn't fly too well with god now god's gonna kick you out of his context family but the point is you're really not walking as a part of his family because you're not willing to listen to him come on incline means i don't just want to hear i want to get every detail because i'm going to apply it i don't care what i think about it i know i need to spend about 45 minutes on this one part of this series it doesn't matter what I think about it. It doesn't matter whether I think I like it or not. Right. Did you know I didn't like God's plan when I first learned about wanting him wanting to be, be a pastor? Right. No, man. I still wanted to go rodeo full time. Right. I still had my plan. Yeah. You listening? Yeah. I didn't give up on my plan. Even after I started pastoring, I actually kind of still thought maybe something will work out. Somebody else come along. I'll get to go do what I want to do, 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 what I, do, what I like doing, what makes me happy, what brings joy to me. See, all those things you think bring joy to you, I guarantee you what? It ain't going to be near as much joy as walking in the things of God. Could you please remember this tonight? Can I help you with something? Would you please remember that the children of Israel thought they had a good plan And yet God had a land flowing with milk and honey waiting for them that they missed out on. Do you want to miss out on your land flowing with milk and honey? But you will if you walk out your plan. I'm going to say it again. To incline your ear doesn't mean I want to hear what God has to say before he ever says it. Before he ever says it. My heart's desire is already to fulfill whatever he says. I don't care what it is. I like something Keith Moore says. You got to be willing to obey God before you ever even hear God talk to you. I won't write that down. You got to be willing to obey God before God ever even talks to you. If you're not willing to obey God before God ever talks to you, then when God talks to you, you may not obey God. (laughs) You got to be willing to obey Him before He ever says a word. And the motive, love. Because I love God and he loves me, yes. and he's a good father, yes. and he's far smarter than me. You listening? Yes. Don't think for a moment. Please, can I remind this, church? Don't think for a moment you not getting to carry out your plan means you're going to miss out on anything. Yes. Would you quit taking the attitude, I'm going to miss out? You know what? That's back to Hosea 6. you thinking you're making a sacrifice. Yes. You are if you think that. Well, I'm going to miss up. Wow, I'm missing out on riding bulls. I'm missing out on all those buckles I could have won. I'm missing out on the possibility of being able to be a full-time bull rider, go to the national finals. I'm missing out on it. No, man, you ain't missing out on nothing. You listening? I'll tell you what I did miss out on. More doctor's bills, more broken bones, more concussions came along with it. <laughs> Are you still here? Help me out, preach. Come on. Are you still here? You ain't missing out on nothing. If you're walking in God's plan, you're not missing out on nothing. You're walking in the best kind of life you could walk in. And if you think, yeah, but I wanted to go see this and do this and have this and live there. You're coming back here to rule and reign for a thousand years, darling. What do you want to see? What do you want to do? If you lived out a full life in relationship to what the Bible says, let's say you live a hundred years, that's only a tenth of what you're going to walk out when you come back for a thousand. And you're not going to just get to do it with a bunch of quote-unquote rebellious brat believers. You're going to get to do it with a bunch of submitted, on fire, in love with God people who are walking with Jesus and Jesus himself. Are you kidding me? What are you missing out on? Nothing. Nothing. I believe with all my heart, I actually ran this across Brother Sutton while he was still alive. He agreed, I believe with all my heart, the thousand year millennial reign is twofold. One, Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years. You thought Satan, you thought you were going to rule here, didn't you? You thought you were going to be the one worship, didn't you? You thought you were the one that had the upper hand on man, didn't you? You thought you did, but guess what you found out for a thousand years? No, you don't. Number two, God's going to say, "I created this earth for you. I created this for you, for my kids, for you to enjoy this planet. You're going to get a thousand years to enjoy. Guess what? You don't need for a thousand years to go wherever you want. You don't need a car. Don't need any gas. I can prove it to you. You can just think of somewhere and show up. You're in the spirit realm. Jesus, Jesus walked through walls." You're going to be just like Jesus. You're going to be in a glorified state. You're going to be in a perpetual, full-time place like Philip was when Philip was water-baptized in that eunuch and came up out of that water and showed up somewhere else. You're going to be walking like that every day. I hadn't looked at Niagara Falls in a while. Think i would just show up there for uh, just a moment of thinking about it. Whoop! Oh, don't they look pretty? Yeah, I'm getting kind of bored with them. I think I might just go to—I don't know. Let's go back to the Smoky Mountain. Whoop! Okay, yeah, there you are. There. Let's go to the old. He wants you to, to literally have not just the opportunity to enjoy what's here, but enjoy enjoy it with him, to enjoy it in fellowship with it. Why are we thinking we're going to give up anything? I know what Terry Mize says. I hear it in my spirit all the time. I'm sorry, Lord, that I only have this one short life to give to you. Yes. Yes. This is the only one I got. It's not much. When you look at an aspect even of 100 years in comparison to all of eternity, right. man, that's, you wonder how fast your life is on this planet according to the Bible? You ready? You ready? You ready, you ready for the word there? You ready? That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's but a vapor. That's it. What you're going through right now, that's the whole life. That's not what you're just dealing with. A that's it. From start to finish. Birth to God. Gone from the planet. That's how quick it is. In the light of all eternity. Say, I'm giving up nothing. Are you kidding me? You're giving up nothing to get to walk with God. So I got to get to this verse. Revelation 2. So in Revelation 2 and 3, in all seven of these letters, at the conclusion of every letter... He uses the same statement, but then he actually addresses a promise associated with it. That if they would incline their ear and do what he said, there was going to be a benefit because of that. Because he was dealing with corrections with all these churches except one. The Philadelphia church was the only one he didn't correct. All the rest of them had corrections given to them. What's a part of hearing God's voice? Receiving correction. Receiving correction, getting stuff fixed. Can I get a better amen? Yes. It, it frustrates me today to see people that don't understand the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Part of the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which, by the way, he didn't hate the Nicolaitans, he had the deeds. He, Jesus said, I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. What are the deeds of the Nicolaitans? One of the primary deeds of the Nicolaitans, followers of Nicholas, is they literally took what was pagan practices and they mixed them with godly practices. You listening? There's churches now doing acts of witchcraft on their stage and they're doing it in the name of Jesus. Can I help you? That's the deeds of the Nicolaitans. You're mixing pagan practices with actually what is considered holy in the sight of God. We don't want to be doing that. Nobody being led by God's doing that, I can tell you that. Uh Revelation 2. Now I gotta get to this verse. Now you stop challenging me so much, and I'll get to this verse. And I'll pray over you. And I'll get you out of here. You ready? Notice what Jesus said at the end of this letter to the church at Ephesus. He who has an ear, let him hear what? What Tell me out loud, please. Notice again. See, now we're under the time of dispensation. He's gone. He's in heaven. The helpers come. How are we going to hear from him? The Holy Spirit. He who has an ear to hear, do what? Let him hear what the Spirit says to who? To who? Out loud, please. Not to sinners because they don't have the Holy Spirit. To me and you. To the body of Christ. Notice. To him in this setting... Of what he spoke to church at Ephesus, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of what? Life, in the midst of the paradise of God. If they would do what he told them to do, they would overcome in this situation as a loveless church. They would overcome that, and he would give them of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden of life when they get to paradise, when they get to heaven. Verse 7, top part of the verse. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what what? Tell me out loud, please. How do we hear from God? How do we know how to follow God's voice? Through the Holy Spirit. What is the actual? So the source of where we hear from, get this now, what's the source of where we hear from? Holy Spirit. What's the avenue, the channel by which he does that? The word and the witness. Get it down. What is the source, Father? Uh, Excuse me, what is the source, Pastor, of how I hear the Father or how I hear Jesus? The source is the Holy Spirit. He's the one he's going to use. Now, we know the ultimate source is God, but it could be God the Father, Jesus the Son. You're connecting not directly with God the Father, Jesus the Son. What are you connecting directly with? The Holy Spirit. You know, it's like, it'd be kind of like if you had a relative that called somebody else on a phone and you want to talk to that phone, talk to that relative, you'd have to grab that phone. What's the source of what you're going to be able to utilize to hear from that phone? Right? But ultimately, it's going to translate back to where? To that parent that's talking on the phone. The Holy Spirit's like your phone. He's your connection to God. He's your hotline to God. He's the one that God's going to use. So that's why we look at him as our source. But what's the channel by which he's going to speak to us? You're not going to use your cell phone. What's he going to use? The word and the witness. Say the word and the witness. So understand, i got about an hour more to preach but I'll have to postpone it till Sunday night that we start with the word. That's where it all begins. Because everything the Bible points to relating to me and you, following God starts with the word. So let me finish what we touched on earlier. I have to have an ear to hear. I have to have an ear to hear what the Spirit's saying. What does that mean? So let me back up just a little bit. Based on those statements, based even on what Jesus said about it, who hears from the Spirit of God? Who hears from the Spirit of God? Who hears from the Spirit of God? He who has an ear to hear. What if I don't have an ear to hear? You won't hear him. He's talking, but you won't hear. him. How do I get an ear to hear? you got to incline your ear. What's it mean? I'm willing to do whatever he tells me. I'm willing to receive any correction He gives me. I'm willing to change any form of my life that I have to change. I'm willing to change any decisions I've made. I'm willing to change anything about my plans, anything about what I had actually thought was God that may not be. I'm willing to change any of that if I'll just hear from God. But if you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to change anything about your life that God speaks to you about, if you're not willing to receive the correction, the instruction, the training, the discipline that He will bring to you by the Holy Spirit to speak to you guess what you won't do you won't really hear him because just like the people in Jeremiah's day guess what you're not doing you're not inclining your ear what's inclined my ear I'm willing to obey before I ever even hear what he has to say I'm willing to receive it I'm willing to do it I'm willing to make any changes any corrections anything I got to do I'm willing to do it because I have an ear to hear so it's not just a willingness to hear what he said You know, that'd be like me working for Don. I say, say if I'm a a new employee for Don, I go to work at Don's shop and therefore I've never done cabinet work before, woodwork before. So I'm willing to hear what Don has to say to learn. But as Don starts speaking to me, I think, well, I could do that a different way. (laughs) Then you know what? I'm not really willing to incline my ear to what he had to say because I'm not willing to do what he told me to do. I want to do it my own way. Anybody know any employees like this? I've had people say, Well, I got a better idea. You might even, in the natural, have a better idea, but you're not the owner. They are. You are the employee. They're the employer. And uh, if they're willing to hear you, great. But guess what? If they're saying, This is the way I want you to do it, then guess what you do? You do it the way they said. Now apply that to God. Let me help you. God's not going to change his way of doing stuff for you. You know why? His way's better. <laughs> his way's higher. Do your way. What are you doing again? Why do people back up all the time? I'll tell you why. Because they really don't want to do what God has to say. Are you willing? Are you willing to change anything? Are you willing to correct what your plans were? Are you, really, are you really willing to change what your future may be? Of how you're going to live out the rest of your life? What you're going to do? Are you willing to let God interrupt you so you can witness to somebody? Are you willing to pray for people? Are you willing to go out and share the gospel? Why are we not doing it? He's already given us commission to do that. See, it all comes back to the Word. And if you don't start doing the basics of what the Word says, let me, t- let me tell you, you're going to have a real hard time following the inward witness beyond the Word as it relates to certain decisions because you're not even obeying the basics of the Word. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. Can I get a better amen? Did I help you at all tonight? I got to quit. Stand to your feet.